It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Halos Heaven podcast, episode number three of the reboot. I'm Don McLaurance. David Goodkind is with me. And guess what? Today, we have a new guest, fellow contributor, writer for the Halos Heaven website, social media. Cole Bailey is on with us. Cole, how are we doing today? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm doing good. So I joined Halos Heaven with these two back in early August. And it's been a very fun time so far. I've listened to the first couple episodes. My friends David and Dominic have done a very good job. So hopefully I'm not going to uh, screw up the chemistry that you guys got here. We'll keep it rolling. <laughs> no, man. Hey, two can play at this game. And, and for this episode, three can play at this game. So it's a perfect uh, episode three. Have three people on. It's a perfect combination. But as David and I had talked about in the first two podcasts, in the month of September, there has been a hell of a lot going on with the Angels. Unfortunately, the majority of it has not been great. The Angels have been eliminated from playoff contention. They've secured yet another losing season. Injuries, so many things have gone wrong and bad luck for the Angels this season. And essentially, there was more of that this past week. The final homestand of 2021, 10 games. They had three against Oakland, four against Houston, three against Seattle. And the Angels wrap it up going a whopping two and eight in that homestand, getting outscored 54 runs to 40. Out of those 40 runs, one of the games had 14 runs. And oddly enough, Cole and I were at that game. So I think we've figured out that we need to become season seed holders and be at every Angels game because that will guarantee a perfect 162-0 and zero season. David, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry you're going to be out of it. You're going to have to watch my record on TV. for the My record, honestly, isn't that bad when I go to the games. It's just uh... – not as immaculate as yours. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, it's got to be us two as well, not just one of us. It's got to be both of us. It's got to be bold, but a very tough, a very tough homestand for the Angels. So, David, I'll start with you. What do you take? I know we kind of predicted what we thought could happen on this homestand, what could have been. Um, two and eight, what do you make for the last homestand? Yeah, season? I was blindly optimistic. I mean, you can't put a lot of stake in, into these last couple of weeks, I think. I think Otani touched on it and the, the team is the motivation maybe lacking right now. There were so many blunders with runners in scoring position. They should have had many more runs than they put up a lot of extra inning frustrations. Uh, there were winnable games. They were, they were in most of these. Uh, it's it's so it was a lot of frustration. I think frustrating is the word I would use to sum up that, that homestand. And hopefully it's just a blip on the radar going forward into next season that this is just a really bad stretch of games and for the most part that's you know the, the team has been resilient for most of the most of the year they just were not at all this last week well and I think the mentality does play into effect you know the last couple of weeks of the year you know you're eliminated so you know there is a drive to play well because 
you could be auditioning for 2022 and whatever your role can be. But when you're playing playoff caliber teams, Oakland, even though they're on the brink of elimination, Houston, who's going to win the division and Seattle, who's right. still battling for a wild card spot. It'll demoralize you a little bit, I would say, but this is the fun stat Cole. I want to get to you on this one runners in scoring position during the 10 game homestand. They go 17 for 75, which is a 227 average, and they leave 74 men on base. How? You know, I know you're not Joe Madden, but how? I'm surprised it's that high at 227 just watching. It felt like it would be way lower. But, yeah, they were a lot of those came in big situations, too. Like, my first thought is one of the Astros games, I think it was Wednesday, where they had, I believe – when it was a tie game, they had a runner on second in the ninth. They had bases loaded, no outs in the 10th. And they had runner on third and one out in the 11th. And they scored zero runs in that span, which was, it's kind of just been a problem like for a while here with these runners in the scoring position. But yeah, I don't think you can take too much away just because there's so many guys out. The only real people in the lineup right now that were in the plans at the beginning of the season where like Fletcher who's struggling really badly Otani who was struggling, but he's starting to pick it up and Jared Walsh. So and I guess Max Stassi as well, but Suzuki played a decent amount of those games as well. It's hard to really take away something for next year based on that, just because of how many guys are out, but it's still very frustrating. And yeah, some of those games were very not fun to watch the last week. <laughs> you know, it's an, it's eye popping, you know, like if I didn't, have the stats written down here, you know, 227, I would say based on visually looking at the team, that's very generous. And yeah. 74 men left on base. If you want to be a playoff contending team in a 10 game stretch, that's just way too many to leave on base and opportunities missed on the base path. But, you know, two and eight on the homestand, not great. You can take what you will from that homestand. I feel the Angels could have at least gone five and five in that homestand. And, and the three of us were talking about this before we started the podcast that, the first game against Oakland, uh, the extra, the two extra inning games, one against Oakland and the 12 inning game against Houston. And even the first game Friday night against Seattle, all could have been easily angel victories and would have turned the homestand six and four. And we could be having a completely different discussion right now. Everything that goes in the final homestand going into now the final six games of the regular season, three in Texas beginning tonight uh, with Packy Naughton on the Hill and then Jansen Junk tomorrow and Alex Cobb on Thursday. And then, like I said, three in Seattle, the wrap up 2021 Shohei Otani. He is the guy, the Messiah that knock on wood did not get hurt this year. He was pretty much in the lineup from beginning to end. He's pitched, he's hit, he's won numerous awards, accolades, a Palooza. He's in the running for MVP. Cole, tell me what Otani MVP chances are because I know David and I have talked about this in the last podcast and we're very strong about this what is your take on the whole Otani MVP and what he's put out on the field this season yeah I think first I would be very shocked if he didn't win it and I think he should be the winner his slump from like probably spanned from like early August into like mid-September kind of let Vlad hop back into things because Vlad also went on like a crazy stretch where he was hitting home runs every game and he's fighting for the triple crown. So that kind of brought him back into it, but I can't see Otani losing, especially in the last week where you've seen him. He set a major league record. I think it was, he tied the major league record for the most walks in a three game span. 
He's getting hot with the bat again because he's also hitting 313 with the OPS over 1,000 in that stretch. While also at the same time, his last two starts, last Sunday he went eight innings, gave up two runs, and struck out 10. And then just a few days ago, since we're recording this on Tuesday, so two days ago on Sunday he went seven innings, struck out 10, and only gave up the one run on the home run to Jared Kelnick in the seventh inning of that game. So turned it up a notch pitching, and he's kind of got – back onto his like back onto his horse on the hitting side he's getting over that slump so I think the last week has really kind of solidified that if it wasn't already because people were talking about Vlad but I I think he should win it no doubt yeah I think those last especially those last two pitching performances I think he went out there did what he had to do and did it in dominating fashion and basically just in a way looked up and said hey major league baseball remember me I can do both as well. Yeah, I'm slumping at the point, but I can still get it done on the mound. So David has your opinion or mindset about Otani. I don't want to say changed because he's done really well on the mound, but right. has it strengthened the the fire that he should be MVP and basically everything that's surrounding him this season? Yeah, I, I think he's got it locked up. I, I, I still don't think it's going to be unanimous. But I'm pretty sure he's got it locked up. I think he gets one more win, possibly against Seattle, uh, in in a few in the future series, and then uh, he's only two RBI short of 100. So those that kind of be like the cherry on top. But when we're comparing it, you have to put everything into perspective, right? The Angels aren't just they're not a great team. That's you know the honest assessment of it. And so he has no protection in the lineup, so he's getting walked a lot. Whereas Vlad is surrounded, Vlad Jr. is surrounded by other hitters and pitchers kind of have to pitch to him. So he's getting better pitches to hit, you know, just on that premise alone, he's going to have a better stretch in numbers. Like that's just the way it's going to work. Playoff teams are not going to pitch to Otani while other playoff teams have to pitch to Vlad Jr. or face Marcus Simeon having an, you know, amazing year or, or George Springer or, you know, whatever that lineup is stacked over there. Otani just doesn't have that benefit. And I think that should really factor in to his numbers being a little bit lower than we'd like, but it, you know, if Trout were healthy and Rendon were healthy, I have no doubt he'd be at that hundred by now. There'd be more yeah. guys on base for him. They'd be pitching to him. So the logical path you could follow there, it just makes sense that Otani has this thing locked up. He's a logical, logical choice to be MVP. There aren't many, if any arguments against it, in my opinion, uh, even though I'm sure some people will come up with, whatever just to play devil's advocate i think the 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 natural choice here is otani yeah we've definitely seen that with the uh the playoff teams this last week where houston's already got their spot locked up but i believe they're still fighting for home field advantage in the first round which would Mm -hmm. mean they have to stay above uh the white Sox because that's the likely matchup there and then obviously seattle is only i think a game and a half out of the second wild card spot now so those two teams still have something to play for and they did not want any part of Otani this last week. Nope. But I think this, the thing that stuck out to me there is that he's kind of recognized that to where, like, I have Phil Goslin hitting behind me. No disrespect to Phil Goslin because I've actually liked the work he's done this year. But Yeah, for sure. They're not scared of Phil Goslin, so they're not going to pitch to me. So I might as well just take my base. And if they want to give me it, uh, so be it. And if – they actually want to pitch to me, then I'm going to wait for my pitch and start doing damage again. And that's the funny thing about Shohei Otani is that even if he gets intentionally walked or 
walks 11 times in a three-game span to, to tie Bryce Harper's 2016 record when he was with the Nationals. Um, you sit there and say, he's not just going to stand there and look like a big oaf at first base. He's going to go steal a base. He's going to go run first to third. He's going to mess with the pitcher's mindset and hopefully give the advantage to whoever's batting behind him, Phil Gosselin, um, the majority of the time, Jared Walsh, who is actually batting clean or actually batting third today behind Shohei Otani, or you know Jack Mayfield at times, or or whoever else bats behind Shohei Otani, he will still be a menace on the base. And and hey, he's one stolen base short of 25, which would add another accolade of batting over 40 home runs, over uh, 20 stolen 25 stolen bases, and the numbers can just keep going on from there. But he's more of, you know, he's not just a hitter. He's not just a pitcher. We've seen him in the outfield. We've seen him run the bases extremely well. He is a Swiss Army knife baseball player that gets it done for you. And it's really hard to go against that. And David, I know you said that, and Cole, you said it as well. Somebody and some baseball writers will find a way to make an excuse for why Shohei Otani should not win the MVP. Right. And I don't know if it will be – he's not on a winning team. That's uh, definitely going to come up. I think that'll yeah. be the biggest It already thing. has, honestly. It has. So that'll be the number one choice. And, and if anybody says anything but that, they're blowing smoke up somebody's butt. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be the team record, which is ridiculous because baseball is the definition of a team sport. And then it'll be probably his batting average around 260. That'll be fairly low. It'll be one of the lowest – if not the lowest, I think, in the history of the award, if he wins uh, in this offseason. So yeah. um, that'll be a point of conversation. But, you know, Otani does a lot of things that are the first of whatever. So he's a trailblazer in that. If he were to win the award with the with a low batting average and be a trailblazer that way, by all means, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. he's still got one more chance. I know he's – it's not confirmed whether he's going to start on uh, on Sunday, but right. I think he wants to because I think he's sitting at nine wins right now, and you can debate like how important pitcher wins are. I would argue not that much, but I think he really wants to get there, and I think getting to that number might like appeal to some people. So he's still got like another chance to do that this weekend and add to his case. Yeah, it'll give a, it'll give us fans something to tune in for on Sunday when the Angels start at. 12 o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of week four of the NFL. And, you know, let's, let's steal some ratings from CBS or Fox with football, sure. but even Mike Trout said it, he said, no disrespect to Vladimir Guerrero jr. What he's doing is phenomenal, but he jokingly said, but does he pitch? <laughs> yeah, he, do he doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, there's exactly. no disrespect to Vlad jr. Either because he's having an absolutely absurd season. Like, I think if he were in the NL, not in the same league as Shohei, I think he'd be far and away the winner. Easily. No disrespect Easily. to Harper, or Soto, or Tatis, but I think he would absolutely be the winner in the other league. It's yep. just that Otani's hitting is, it might be a little bit behind Vlad, but not that much. And then what he's added on the pitching side as well, like he's, or if he had the innings, like he would legitimately probably be in the Cy Young race. Cause I know he's only at 130 right now, but. The way he's pitched all year has just been incredible. So you add that on top of the 45 home runs, and I think his OPS is up to 960. It's just I can't see how you give it to anyone else. Well, the, what I'm seeing from the baseball writers and, and, and the word of mouth going around is that he, he does have it locked up. Like most people, most of the voters are 
agreeing with us in this sense. And he is going to win this award without having to play another game this season. And that was probably true maybe weeks ago. So um, I, I, if I'm an Angels fan, I probably don't sweat this one out. Uh, it'll be curious to see what percentage of the vote he actually gets when it's all said and done. But all signs point to Otani being the 2021 AL MVP. Absolutely. I think for us as fans, we know that, or we hopefully know that. And we shouldn't be sweating about it. I think it's just more entertainment purposes of sure who is not going to vote for him and what their rationale will be to why they didn't put him above Guerrero Jr. Or if somehow there's a third candidate, which I don't think there even is remotely. You know, when you, when you trickle down to the very, very bottom line, uh, with everything that's happened with the Angels, everything that happened with Otani, at the bottom line, what this organization has to focus on and what the fans want to focus on, and this is going to be the biggest chunk of the podcast today, is wins. The Angels need to win, and we heard all last week from the three biggest names on the Angels, Joe Madden, Mike Trout, and more recently Shohei Otani, all voiced their opinions about the state of the organization, what they need moving forward, and that no matter what happens the rest of this season, this offseason in 2022 is the year. There is no more messing around. There is no more trying new things to see if we can maybe create a spark. It's now or never. And Joe Madden started saying this, um, you know, before the Seattle Mariners series. So, David, with the three biggest names on the Angels – in the clubhouse that are the voices of this team publicly saying, and in a weird way, maybe underlining and undercutting and stripping away Artie Moreno a little bit. What does this mean for the Angels franchise moving forward into a very, very important off season? The turning point. It really is. This is perhaps the biggest off season of the century for the Angels. You, you, they're headed down a path of mediocrity and just a lot of bad baseball. And I think the I think Madden sees it, Trout and Otani see it, and they're saying enough. Enough is enough. We're putting our foot down. We're talking to you, Artie, directly to you. You must change the culture this offseason. Madden said, Madden said it perfectly. You need to bring guys in to win right now. How much longer are we going to keep doing the the uh, uh, the youth movement in terms of developing talent and getting them ready and like now now's the window you have Mike Trout's not getting any younger Otani's deal is going to expire in what two more years and if it, you know you can't afford to lose him uh, fan attendance is shrinking there's so much wrong with the franchise but not all is lost. And I think that's what they're highlighting is this is a turning point. You can salvage this. You can turn this into a world series contender and you can do it as soon as this off season, but you have to do it. This is the moment to strike. There is no tomorrow. You have to do it now. And I think that's what these three guys are highlighting. Enough is enough. We have the, the foundation here, but it's fragile. You need to strengthen it. And let's get the, let's get the ball rolling. Let's get it going for next season with, with, with a help with a really good starting rotation, a healthy lineup and a better bullpen. And, and let's go win this thing. Yeah. And this is the moment right now. Let's do it. Absolutely. And I think what's kept the angels, maybe not from getting to the playoffs and the struggles, but the angels 
regardless of general management era, Perry Manassian, Billy Epler, Jerry DePoto, even going back to Tony Regans, none of those GMs, and that includes Artie Moreno in that conversation because he has a big voice in that front office, the Angels have never once did what other major league teams have done and blow it all up and start completely from scratch. They've never gone that deep where it's we're in full youth movement and it's going to be a five to seven year rebuild process. It's always lose a couple guys, fill them in with some young guys, and then maybe in a year or two sign a free agent and kind of try to stitch back your way to getting into contending fashion. So I think that's what's kept the angels alive in a sense for a while and hope continuously still being alive. But I think as you said, David, it's made the angels in a sense fragile a little bit and those seams and stitches that they've tried to do are starting to pull apart a little bit. And you do right. not want to have that full blow up because if that full blow up happens, I'm, I know trout has a non-traded, you know, trade clause in his contract and Shohei Otani's got two more years, but I don't think they're going to be very kosher with the fact of they won't be around. They you won't, they won't be around. I think someone might get voided. So Cole, how do you take this? And the angels have a lot of holes, you know, they're not huge holes, but they got to be filled in order to find success and finally get over that hump. How do they get over that hump this offseason? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think you've made a good point with when you said they kind of just tried to stitch it together the last few seasons. And some of that is like they've had some payroll like restraints because obviously you had Albert Pujols' big money on the books. You had Justin Upton's big money on the books. So they've kind of been forced to like take a lot of dart throws. Like, hey, we'll sign Matt Harvey, see if he can replicate or bounce back to what he was. We'll sign Trevor Cahill, because we think he's going to be reliable enough. We'll sign Jose Quintana, Julio Tehran. The list goes on and on and on. I At the time, I got those like the rationale behind those because there wasn't a lot of flexibility, but that's changing this offseason because they have a lot of money coming off the books. I'm probably going to sit down and like try to calculate exactly how much, but I know Pujols' monster deal is finally done after all this time, and then they have all the one-year deals that they signed in the offseason are coming off the book. So they have a lot of flexibility. So like, I think the fan base is a little sick of it. And by the sounds of it, it sounds like Madden and Trout and Otani are as well, where we want sureties. Like it's been a lot of what ifs in the last few years, but seeing those blow up in the, in the organization's face time and time again, has just gotten a little old. And I don't think that's the direction they can take this offseason if they want to turn this thing around. No, and, and right now they have, 
I believe I looked at it not too long ago, about 184 million in that range on the payroll right now. And once you take off pool halls and now we're getting to Upton's last year of his contract and all the one-year deals come off the books, I think the Angels payroll once the season ends will only be at like 111, 117 million. Yeah. So they're going to have so much room. I want to say it's around 70 million coming off the books around that area. Yeah. And that can get you, you know, if, if Perryman Asim can figure things out, that could get you uh, a number of quality players. And I know one quality player that's been talked about a lot, as we all know, and I've said this, I think once in every podcast, if you do not believe the angels need pitching, you are clearly living under a rock. Mm-hmm. Pitching has been the, the, is a backbone of any team. And the angels backbone has been severely damaged over the last decade to say, and the name, of course, that's going to be on everybody's list. Max Scherzer is going to be the number one guy. He was great with the Nationals. He's doing amazing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Trout's already been linked to really wanting him. Scherzer's good friends with Anthony Rendon from their Washington National days. And he's also friends with Justin Upton from their early, early days with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm not saying... I believe, I believe they actually played together in Detroit as well, if I'm not mistaken. And in Detroit, yeah. so I'm not saying, oh, because he has two friends already on the Angels, he's going to automatically come to us. But hopefully that engages in that conversation. Hopefully they can get him to Anaheim. Now, I think whatever happens this year with the Los Angeles Dodgers will tip for Scherzer what he will do. I think if he wins, in my opinion, if he wins a World Series ring with the Dodgers, he may be satisfied to go wherever and continue his career. If he doesn't win, he may be more inclined to stay with the Dodgers because they are a World Series ready team year in and year out right now. So Max Scherzer's one guy to be put on the list. There's a thousand other guys that can be on the list for various positions. But David, what do you think about all the talk surrounding the big name angel players wanting Max Scherzer? I'm a big believer where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, with, with Scherzer, the more I think about it, the more I think Artie's going to try to open up the pocketbook for him. I think he hopefully he's going to get the message here. Um, I have no doubt that there's going to be a bidding war for Scherzer at the end of the year. I, I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive just because he, he does have his uh, World Series ring with the Nats. Um, so he, whatever happens this season, he will retire a champion. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that the Dodgers are going to be outbid, but I can also see them being frugal in a sense and, and maybe looking elsewhere, especially with how the, the Bauer situation plays out. Because if he's done, they're, they're, they're automatically down a pitcher. And I know they're not quite ready to go towards your, your younger pitchers just yet. But um, so my natural inclination says, yeah, he stays in LA just because of the money. I think he's going to get the biggest contract from them. Well, for the Angels, you bring up, you know, the all that money coming off the books this offseason. Scherzer is is on the wrong side of 30. He's getting closer to, you know, 40 in retirement. So he's not going to be looking for a long deal. So it comes down to if the Angels are willing to give him a pretty hefty salary for the next, let's say, two years. And then he's off the books after two years. So it's it's that kind of financial risk in the short term that, that they're going to have to weigh. I think I would be absolutely surprised if they don't talk to his camp and, 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 and try to work something out. Uh, the bidding war will be ugly. I have no doubt about that. Even if the angels are not involved, it's going to be, he's going to get paid. I mean, 
Scherzer is going to, is going to make bank this offseason. He deserves it. He's having an incredible year, but the question of health comes up and all that or not health, but, uh, but age really it's, it's, you know, how, how much, how long, how much longer can he sustain this? Like yeah. realistically. So, Absolutely. but I think the angels are scared enough as well. They should be that they are going to be major players in this. I know there was talk at the trade deadline that they, um, inquired with the Nats on his availability and, and, and attempted a trade. So if we're going off that and all the reports coming out, then it's hard to deny that there's interest there. And I, you know, going to Scherzer's point of view, um, I think a lot of that has to do with what happens also with the, um, the, the universal DH. I, I, I've heard that his preference is to stay in the national league because he likes to hit. So if everyone gets the universal DH, that that kind of makes it a, um, a level playing field. So that's something to watch as well. But the Angels do have something to offer. I mean, the lineup when healthy is one of the best in baseball and, you know, stout defense behind them. So he gets to stay in Southern California. So there's a lot of pros to coming to the Angels and they'll have a lot to sell to him on top of the millions of dollars he's going to get. But, you know, going back to what I said, where there's smoke, there's fire, I, I do believe he will be the top target in the offseason. Oh, yeah. And, Cole, before I get to you on your take on possible Max Scherzer and what the upper brass of the Angels players think about bringing him into the fold, uh, to make matters even better, at least if you're on the Max Scherzer camp side of things, his agent is Scott Boris, which means money, 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 money. So if anybody thinks – a bidding war will happen. It's Scott Boris. Their bidding war is always natural with Scott Boris. And Scott Boris and Artie Moreno don't have the best relationship, let's say. Even though they did work yeah. out the Rendon deal, but they don't have the best relationship. No, they don't. So hopefully maybe they can look past that for the benefit of us Angel fans. But Cole, what do you think about this whole Scherzer, I don't want to say debacle, but opportunity that the Angels could see in bringing him into Angel Red? I'm a little less confident in Scherzer coming just because the financial might that the Dodgers can wield. But David mentioned it, and I think it's a good point to make. I think a lot of it depends on how the Bauer situation works out because he's making a lot of money, or he might. He still is getting paid right now, and he's due to make a lot of money in the next few years. So if they can't get off of his deal or if he's still around next year, that is a big chunk of money to be spending when they also have a lot of prominent free agents to pay as well. Obviously there's Scherzer, but there's also Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen. Like they have a lot of guys that they're going to need to pay this off season. So I think if Bauer stays on their payroll, then it might be a little less likely for them to re-sign Scherzer and therefore a little more likely for the Angels to be able to sneak in there. As far as just the Angels and like the stuff you mentioned with the guys that want him, like I've seen Trout is a big fan of Scherzer. Like there was the report that Matt Vesgersian said that he's already lobbying the front office. And there's a video that went around where he said on an Instagram live that Scherzer is like his favorite pitcher in baseball and he gave him his favorite at bat of his whole career in the all-star game a few years ago so obviously that's something to look for and i believe shohei otani is also a pretty big fan of scherzer i think i read that around the all-star break that 
Scherzer's his favorite pitcher to watch. And like, they obviously started against each other in this year's all-star game. So there's that connection as well. So I think it's possible. And I think they'll definitely be trying to go down that Avenue, especially because you mentioned that he might get a two-year deal. And I think that lines up pretty well with like Justin Upton's contract coming off the books next year. So the, the money that they would be paying Scherzer, like the burn gets lessened when you have Upton's 28 million or whatever is coming off the books. So I think it's possible. I'm not super confident, but I think I could get there as the off season goes on because that it's a risk to pay him that much money at this age, but it's kind of the risk the angels probably need to be taking at this point with how precarious the situation is. So I would definitely love it, but I don't know just yet. The free agent market is going to be very large and there's so many players on the list. Sure. It's not like this is Scherzer's the only starting pitcher available. Noah Syndergaard could be or will be available. Marcus Stroman will be available. And there's a bunch of other lists. And I Zach Grinke homecoming is possible. Zach Grinke homecoming could be possible. And, you know, this will be fun to talk about once we do get into the, the depth of the offseason and we have our podcast and we each write about stuff for, for Halos having to kind of play GM and what we think could happen in that sense. But I know Angel fans and were a part of that. We want certainty, Cole, you said that earlier. To play the what-if game just for a minute, if this offseason does not go in the way we hope it goes, does a failed offseason really strip down and make Artie Moreno vulnerable? And does it make him look like the sole problem of why things are not happening the right way for the Angels? I think it definitely would be an indictment just because it's obvious that they need reinforcements this off season. Like you have, it's telling that the three most prominent on field, like faces are speaking out about how much they need changes. So I think it probably would be an indictment in that sense. I just, I hope he's paying attention. That's all I have to say because a lot of the mess that they found themselves in is kind of, his responsibility. So I hope that he, he or the people around him realize that and start to take the necessary steps to remedy that. I should say. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough situation. I don't think, you know, he says the pocketbook can be open and he's willing to go this. And we've seen him at times get what he wants. You know, angels needed pitching last year. He really wanted Rendon. He went out and got Rendon. So we know if Artie wants something and Artie needs something, he'll go out and do it. He has no problem about doing that. And a little bit of where my worry comes into play is we need pitching, but is he going to value before looking at the pitching market, going to the shortstop market and possibly signing like a Corey Seager or a Trevor Story for a massive five plus year contract over $200 million. Is he going to value that first over something else? So that's where I think worries can come into play. And and David, you can touch on this as well. Do you think Artie could be exposed? You know, he's the owner of the angels. He has a, he has a responsibility to get this organization on the right track. And I know Perry Manassian is going to do his work and the players and coaches on the field, they're going to do their work. But at some point, does Artie Moreno need to take responsibility for what is going on? That time already came and went, in my opinion, with the, uh, the Renifo-Jock Peterson deal. When he personally altered that trade and sort of embarrassed himself in the national media 
without sort of any follow-up to that. The Angels really kind of swept it under the rug. That that was the moment for me where I felt he was truly exposed. Going into this offseason, it's sort of about, I don't want to say make amends. It's just like fixing mistake, right? Now you literally walk into Prey Manassian's office, you throw the checkbook down and say, do what you need to do. And then you stay out of it. In my opinion, I, I, I still think they need a shortstop. I don't know. Saying we need two starters is obvious and it's, it's true. I don't know how likely it is to get two top end starters. I think what they could do is, is possibly get a Scherzer, get uh, someone who's a secondary, who's not quite a, uh, an ace level, but a very good pitcher, and maybe bring back Cobb or something in, in that mix, right? But the the production they got at a shortstop this year was was very low compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. It's an obvious position they need help at. I don't know how they go do it. Um, you don't necessarily need one of the big guys, but you need someone reliable. I don't know if it's a, a Chris Taylor or something like that, or maybe move Fletcher to short and figure out second base instead. You got you may they may have to get really creative with all of this just to make the money work because they do have holes to fill. And that's where Perry Manassian, that's what he was hired to do. So Artie's big thing here is, is in, in theory, really easy to, to fix this stigma on him. It's just stay out of the way. Be willing to spend this offseason, but let Perry go be Perry. Let him do his job. Let him bring in the talent. Artie's problem is maybe sometimes he is too hands-on. I love the saying that intelligence is, is shown when you realize you're not the smartest person in the room when you can recognize that, like that's a sign of being intelligent. I think that's what Artie needs to do is, is drop the ego for a second and say, I trust my front office. This is what I hired them to do. They're going to do what's best for this team. And I'm just going to sign the checks. That should be the mindset that Artie Moreno has this offseason when it comes to uh, uh, fixing his reputation and taking ownership and responsibility for where the franchise is at the moment. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's, I, I think in a perfect world, if Artie could be owner and GM, he would. And unfortunately, when he has been hands-on, it really hasn't worked out in the Angels' favor, unfortunately, with free agent signings like Vernon Wells and Josh Hamilton and Albert Pujols. So I get it. I think I would love to be a fly on the wall in the first meeting after the season ends, so probably late next week at some point when Artie, John Carpino, uh, Perry Manassian, Joe Madden, and all the scouts are in one room and trying to figure out how to do this. I would love to be a fly on that wall. And I would love for Moreno literally just to walk in, say, good morning, guys. Here's the checkbook. I'm going on vacation. Have a good time. And just yep. send me an email with the bullet points, uh, uh, reviewing what you guys talk about. I'll check it off, give you an A+. And I'll see you at spring training. I'm going on a yacht and cruising in Mexico somewhere. Like, I would love to be a fly on that wall if that's the case. But I agree. I think he needs to just let Manassian take the range, relinquish a little bit of control. Trust the guys you've put into place. You have a terrific manager in Joe Madden. He knows how to develop young talent. And his knowledge of the game of baseball is incredible. Check. You have top-tier talent, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Anthony Rendon, who are the leaders. And then you have young guys like Jared Walsh, David Fletcher, who are ascending into good graces with Angels fans and, and good numbers and good splits. And you have pieces in place. The minor league system, I don't want to say it's top tier in minor league baseball, but 
it's better than what it was maybe in years past. So you, again, there are pieces that are definitely in place. Let each department do their thing, oversee it, but don't totally OCD control it. When they need you in a meeting, go to the meeting, sweet talk the client, and then that's the end of that. Yeah, so let everybody do the work and maybe go vacation with Scott Bors to get on a better, yeah. better understanding with him. Up a little bit. Schmooze and booze him. Schmooze and booze the billionaire. We should make t-shirts for that. Schmooze and booze. And, or whatever. There's too many Bs, tongue twister in that sense. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot to be said for the Angels this season and this offseason. I know throughout the offseason, we're going to be talking about this immensely and and diving into it and figuring out what can and can't be done and the pros and cons of maybe everything that the angels do, but moving on from that, just for the moment, final six games, as we wrap up here, episode three of the Halo seven podcast, final three games in Texas, followed by three in Seattle. What are expectations for the last week of the season? Do we expect a perfect six and O do we expect a dismal Owen six? Do we see good performances, bad performances? What can, even though it's not official, will Shohei Otani get one last chance at 10 wins? Cole, I'll give you the floor. What do you expect here in the final week of 2021 Angels baseball? Well, the main thing I'm hoping for is that they can at least finish strong against the division because it's obviously Rangers and Mariners the last two series. And I want them to finish strong against the division because they really struggled against the AOS this year. I have it in front of me. They went, it was four and 15, I think, against Oakland. They went six and 13 against Houston, and they're six and 10 against Seattle right now. Like, if you want to be a good baseball team, you cannot lose that many games against your division. So that's the main thing I want just to start to win these divisional games, just like to get rolling into next year to prove we can beat these teams. And we're not just going to roll over against them. So, and obviously you mentioned, I'm definitely looking forward to one more Shohei Otani start. Cause I think he will start Sunday. It sounds like he really wants to. So hopefully they can finish strong and get at least some sort of momentum rolling into next year, because it's not been a great month of September to put it lightly. Uh, David, what do you expect from this team? I know optimistically last week didn't go well are you going to stick on the optimistic train or no go a different direction this time yeah (laughs) i can't lie they're petering out a little bit i it's it's to be expected though i think you know if they're going to win a series they'll take maybe two or three against texas um I, i i just don't see them beating seattle especially with how serious these games are for seattle uh they're going to throw everything at them um, Part of me wants to push Alex Cobb start back from Thursday to Friday just so it'll be against the Mariners. But that would be nice. Happen. That would be nice. I know, yeah. you know, Jaime Berea is going to be out. He got shelved for arm fatigue or shoulder discomfort. Right. So you might, we're probably going to see Jonathan Diaz, who did a great job on Saturday and released yeah. seven, seven innings mm-hmm. and just allowed one run. But, you know, he I also out. said Reed Detmers might be a possibility this weekend as well, though I'm not sure because he pitched yesterday for Salt Lake. But I, I, you know, the Texas series could be fun because they're out of it too. So, uh, you know, could, you could get some pretty great bad baseball coming up against, you know, against Texas. <laughs> you and sure Arlington. have seen a lot of that recently. So hopefully yeah. it's a good kind. 
we'll see it from we'll see it from both teams though so it'll be a, a little more enjoyable but uh so that series there's there's no weight in it that'll be a pretty carefree series um for me it's 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 seeing otani get those round numbers I'd like to see him get that 10th win I'd like to see the 100th rbi uh, you know more steel just pack it on just, this has been an incredible season from an individual standpoint that we will likely never, ever see again. Uh, so I think taking in these final games, it's just kind of, you know, taking a step back and enjoying the greatness that has been Shohei Otani this year and, and savoring the last few, few uh, games of that really. So I, you know, I, as, as down on the team as I am right now, I think there's so much enjoyment to be had just by watching him finish this season out that, uh, makes you know the texas series and the seattle series just so worth it yeah for me i will go because it is the swan song of the 2021 season i will go optimistic but semi-realistic at the same time i think taking two of three from texas is legitimate i think the angels can do that um, they probably should do that considering the state of the rangers right now yeah right. they should you know texas is one loss away from 100 and the angels have done pretty well against the Rangers this season. Um, 10 and 6. Against 10 the and 6. And they have some good offensive members. Jared Walsh batting over 400 against the Rangers this season. So I think that favors the Angels. And even though it's not in a night, junk tomorrow and Cobb Thursday morning, I think decent rotation for this series. Um, so I think two of three from Texas is fair. And after seeing what we saw this past week against or weekend against Seattle and their push to the playoffs still alive, I'd say if you take one of three from Seattle and finish with a good old 503 and three record, summing up the angel season, let's be average. <laughs> I'll take that as a win. Let's two, take of three, a win two or three yeah. against Seattle would be excellent. Because... Yeah, it would be. Yeah. The hope is that, you know, a good, a good positive momentum shift going into the off season. There's so much to handle, but as we wrap it up here on the third episode of the Halo seven podcast, I'm Dominic Lorenz. Also having David Goodkind and welcoming Cole Bailey into the podcast as well. Guys, thanks for joining, talking all things angels. We hope for the best. We prepare for the worst. And somehow the ship will set sail in the right direction soon enough. The night Amen. is always darkest before the dawn, right? Yeah. So let's let's have that quote. It's always dark before the sun or you can re-say it if you want. I totally darkest do. before the dawn, but yeah. Darkest before the dawn as I Close botch enough. it up here at the end. Hey, that's why there's editing in podcasting. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we'll, we'll all get on a podcast next time for episode number four. Hopefully we can bring in some different people from the Halos Heaven staff to join in on the discussion. But as I said, I'm Dominic Lorenz. That's David Goodkind, as well as Cole Bailey. Thanks for guys listening. Keep listening away. Keep commenting. And we will hear and see you guys soon enough here on the Halo 7 podcast.